Stress, anxiety, and depression are skyrocketing among children and teens. And Cook Children's Healthcare System is on a mission to bring these topics into the light. I'm Winnie King. And I'm Dr. Kristen Perch. If you have kiddos in the room, now is the time to put on those headphones. Some of the topics we'll be discussing will not be suited for young ears. This is Raising Joy. Hello, 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 everyone. Thank you for joining us and welcome back to Raising Joy. Speaking of joy, Mm -hmm. as I was driving in today, Miss Winnie, Mm -hmm. I parked next to a gorgeous new convertible. And I just wonder who could be driving it. (laughs) Oh, definitely my toy. Definitely my toy. (laughs) And today is such a gorgeous day. You just it is like top down weather. I'm loving that. Yes. I have car seats and I think that that would keep me from driving a convertible, but just know this is my life goal. Like I want to be you when I grow up. (laughs) Well, definitely I am fully grown. (laughs) Yeah. I love the car. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, You know, as we are talking about mental health and all the things that are connected with this um, on our last episode, we got to talk, we got a chance to talk with Dr. Arthi Gundy about medications and overdoses and fentanyl. Um, That was a really, really powerful conversation. Anything that you had, any takeaways that you had from that, Kristen, about it? I I felt like I learned quite a bit about just how bad the fentanyl problem has been nationwide and just how like all of the different therapies that they have at Cook and and how they're able to raise money for it. Just all of those extra supportive services that you need to be mm-hmm. able to help with pain and controlling it, hopefully without getting to opiates. Right. Um, and then also, I really appreciated all of her takeaways, just the practical points of, hey, if you have this medicine, mm-hmm. do not keep it mm-hmm. in your, there's no need to keep it in your medicine cabinet. Right. Please dispose of it properly. So that, um, you know, like your three-year-old doesn't happen to find it, you know, right. like, like let's prevent as many of these things as we possibly can. Right. So I thought it was great. My takeaway is I'm very fearful. Yes. <laughs> I'm very fearful now. It's yes. like anything other than aspirin. I'm scared. I really am I, yes. nervous. I'm very nervous about it. So, yes. but speaking of all of that with overdoses and medication, um, today we have two guests who honestly share a tragic and unthinkable bond. It's it's kind of that, um, that's the club you don't want to be a member of. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, this is going to be a powerful conversation, I think. I think so too. And um, though they live thousands of miles apart, Ed Turnin and Stephanie Hellstern have connected as parents who have lost children to fentanyl or so-called fentapills. Um, we're so honored to have you, Stephanie, um, here in the studio with us today. Um, Ed is joining us virtually from California. Thank you both for being here. We're so happy that you're able to join us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, too. Thanks, everybody. Yes, thank you. Well, Stephanie, let's start with your story. Um, tell us where you live and about your son, Kyle. Um, I live right here in Fort Worth, Texas, actually White Settlement, so barely 10, 15 minutes from the studio. So okay, you perfect. walked. You I could have almost walked, yes. I could have almost walked. I Ubered, so hey. <laughs> um, so um, I've been a single parent most of my life, and I lost my 16-year-old son named Kyle, my only child. Um, it was during tax season, you know, last, um, it was in, uh, July 14th of 2020, um, 
you know, tax season got extended because of all the COVID and everything else. And two days before tax season ended, I came home afterwards, late night, trying to work on somebody's taxes. um, And I couldn't find them anywhere. I looked everywhere in my house and to the point I went to the garage. Maybe he's working out in there because I turned it into a gym during that time during COVID and couldn't find him anywhere. Um, but I looked on the iPhone and it was like, it says he's right there. And I'm like, okay, does it make sense? Maybe he left it in his room. So I started searching his room, didn't find a phone. And something in my spirit told me to check outside in the backyard and the light wasn't on. And I'm like, well, why would he be out there? Mm-hmm. And I found him. He was on the ground on the patio. Um, I immediately saw his phone and I had reached out to his uncle um, who he had just gotten back from vacation during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I immediately called 911, answered the phone at the same time his uncle was calling, and he can hear my 911 call the whole time. And I tried to recitate my son. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically got his heartbeat back, um, but they said he would have been brain dead. They tried three times because he was only 16 and he was still young. Mm-hmm. Um, I just stayed in my bathroom. That was the only place I felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, um, and I called one person and then they all called my family and everybody else around, which everybody lives, you know, literally five minutes from me. Mm. But I would say that was the worst experience of my life I've ever had. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I think you lived every parent's worst nightmare, mm-hmm. like absolute worst nightmare. I'm so sorry. Mm. I'm so Losing sorry. a child. You, you just don't think about that. That's not what you want. You, you don't want them to go before you. No, not at all. Um, when you come out of the bathroom, when you are out of it and, and everybody's now, we know what has happened. What, what's your feeling? What are your thoughts? So initially, um, I didn't know what actually had happened. Um, it was the hottest day of the summer of the year. And so all these things as a parent are running through your head of, okay, maybe he had a, um, underlying condition, maybe he had a stroke, like you know, heat exhaustion, heat exhaustion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the lawnmower was out, but I was like, normally he tells me if he's going to mow the lawn, you know, and I'm like, and it took four months. Usually it's 90 days for an autopsy to come back because of COVID. It was an extra month. Mm. So while I'm over here checking online because, um, you know, of course there was a te- detective on my, um, case and didn't call me or tell me, um, turned out a friend of a friend, saw it online and called me, uh, called the uncle and the uncle's like, Hey, have you heard anything? I'm like, no. And on the uh, autopsy of what it says online is acute fentanyl intoxication. Mm. I'm so sorry. And of course I'm like, wait, what, what's it? What's fentanyl? What's, what do you mean intoxication? So since then it's kind of been missing pieces for a while. Um, slowly things have kind of been coming out and about, you know, um, but basically I was the first person to Google and look up what fentanyl was. And there's two kinds. And I think that's probably the, one of the kind is the legal kind that your Mm -hmm. doctor last episode was probably talking about. And that's ministered or given by doctors that know what they're doing, Mm -hmm. but the illegal kind is coming here from China and Mexico and two milligrams kills you. So my son's autopsy when I got it um, from the coroners was 12 milligrams. Oh, my gosh. My goodness. Do you know how or why he had it? No, just of kind of hearing through the grapevine and things coming out. Um, Somebody saw my post in my neighborhood because, you know, everybody's very close in the Vista West area over here. And they basically said, hey, um, 
my kid knows your son, but didn't hang out with him. But there's people on Snapchat that um, basically poured out fat or poured out pills in the um, toilet in honor of him. And I'm like, wait, what? So kind of hearing through the grapevine, I'm thinking what's happened is he got it from a friend, thinking and trusting that he could take this, thinking it was a Percocet pill, which is just a normal pain med like a Xanax or mm-hmm. Oxycontin. And it wasn't. It was pure fentanyl, not laced. It was pure fentanyl. So that's why the meaning of fentanyl pills is now out. Just deep. That's really deep. Ed, we know that um, you lost your son to a single pill as well. Can you share a little bit about Charlie and what happened to him? Sure. Um, Our story is different but similar. Uh, Charlie was a little older, 22 years old, a senior in college in May of 2020, just about ready to graduate from college and get on with his life. Um, It was early COVID and Charlie had, like a lot of kids, come home for spring break and then all the colleges and universities said, hey, don't come back. And uh, the lockdowns began. So he was living with us for about 60 days and we saw no signs of uh, problems, emotional problems, uh, drug abuse. You know, he wasn't drinking himself to sleep every night. It was weird because of the lockdowns and COVID. So you know, he was hanging around the house and only seen a few friends. Um, but we didn't see any indicators of, of a problem. And then about a month before he was due to graduate, he and his friends decided to go back up near campus and hang out together for the last month of their college careers. And Charlie drove up from Southern California, where he, where we live back to Northern California, uh, to college and was there about a week when, um, on a Thursday, when his fraternity brothers decided that they would go uh, out and enjoy the sunshine and run around and hit some golf balls, I think it was, something like that. Charlie had a job interview scheduled for the late afternoon, five o'clock in the afternoon. And so he said, I, I can't go. And and like Stephanie, we, you know, we pieced this together after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, And apparently what happened is that after that, he, uh, when they left, he turned to a couple of other friends and said, you know, I'm going to just chill in my room and just slay this video game for a few hours until I have this job interview. Does anybody have any Xanax? Um, What we've learned is that, you know, kind of recreationally taking things like Xanax or Oxys is kind of normalized these days. And the answer came back, well, nobody's got any, any, because a lot of people aren't here on campus, right? There's regular people aren't mm-hmm. here. So they went online, they went on Snapchat and found a dealer that uh, sold him uh, a Percocet, uh, these M30s that are the notoriously uh, counterfeited <sighs> Percocets. Um, and somebody walked by Charlie's room about three o'clock in the afternoon and spoke to him. He was playing video games, laying in his bed. Mm-hmm. And what we do know is that he never made the five o'clock phone call. So sometime between three o'clock in the afternoon and five o'clock in the afternoon, he put that Percocet, counterfeit Percocet in his mouth and died probably within 15 minutes of, of taking the pill. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I'm so we sorry. were a little luckier than Stephanie in terms of finding out what was going on because we were not there on scene. 
So we got the phone call that every parent dreads, um, a knock on the door from our pastor mm. uh, who came in and said, your son has died at college. And we had no idea what that could have meant. But the next day, we got another phone call from a detective who said, um, we'll wait for the toxicology report, but we're going to investigate this as a homicide. Oh, my gosh. And we suspect that this is fentanyl toxicity. And we said, what the heck is that? And they said, well, there's these counterfeit pills floating around. Charlie is the seventh death in this county in the past 10 days. Oh, my gosh. So we were spared the, the experience that Stephanie and many other parents go through, which is living in this limbo of not knowing how your young and otherwise completely healthy uh, adult, young adult or teenager just happens to die. Mm. Um, we know like a lot of people like Stephanie who wait months before they finally get an answer of what happened, which is just, it's excruciating. But, so that's our story. Wow. Wow. And that was in May of 2020. Yes. Wow. Ed, I'm so sorry. Thank I'm you. so sorry. I'm so sorry. So Stephanie, how, and how did you and Ed connect? How'd you guys find each other? Well, I think it's been a God thing if I could say that just because, um, my faith has held me through a lot of it, but, um, being a counselor therapist, you know, I've had to run support groups and do other things. And at the worst time of my life, I could have, you know, kept being depressed and staying in my little hole, but I immediately was like, okay, what can I do? And so I'm looking on Facebook and literally was like looking up fentanyl mm. and I came across all these different groups and other parents. So then I realized I was not alone, you know, just like mental health, you're not alone of what you're going through. And, um, I was actually on going to take a girl's trip to Asheville, North Carolina. And I had, um, gotten in touch with, um, Michael Gray, Virginia Krieger, several people that have been on this journey probably since 2015, 2016. So, oh my um, they were like, Hey, we're meeting, um, in Columbus, Ohio, um, around October, I think it was of 2020. And, um, Jim Carroll, the drug czar for the Trump administration mm -hmm. was, um, going to be there. And they're like, we would love to have you. I literally had just in July found, you know, lost Kyle and then four months later found out. And then my son's birthday is in November. So I'm like, perfect. Yes, I will be there. I changed my flight, went to Columbus, Ohio, stayed at the hotel, met 25 other parents that went through this same exact thing. And I think out of two of those parents, only two of them, their um, kids actually had an addiction. So we all stood up at that moment, gave each of our stories to be able to tell to Jim Carroll, um, drugs is to tell him, Hey, this is not the old paradigm of drugs. This mm -hmm. is the new paradigm that is literally, um, getting and targeting our 13 to 24 year olds right now. Because, you know, Ed, as you were saying, this stuff's available on Snapchat. They found it on Snapchat, which you know, I have patients, you know, early teens that are on Snapchat and I don't know, I just say the, you know, the Internet's a wild west and you can literally get anything. But you guys, that's what happens. Yes, literally you can order it like pizza is what I say. And and the, what's what's so gripping about this is that you you mentioned only a couple of parents within that group had kids that were addicted. The rest of them, the rest of you are parents of children who had one pill. Mm hmm. One pill, that's all it took. And just like Ed was saying, it probably took for him only 15 minutes. Yes. 
there's a window of what uh, we're realizing is there's a, a 15 to 30 minute window that if Narcan is not administered, which is a preventative um, to counteract it, then luckily it's a death. Mm. Well, Ed, you've been working on something, right, um, to kind of deal with this. Yes. Uh, my wife, Mary, and I, when we kind of picked ourselves off the floor, hmm. uh, like a lot of parents, we, we decided to see what we could do to address the problem. And um, there are a lot of families and parents like Stephanie and Mary and I who have all kind of said, we need to warn other people about this. We need to raise awareness and ring the bell and, and tell people about this emerging threat of these counterfeit prescription pills and this new category of victim, which are the earlier, you know, kids who are earlier in their drug use kind of journey. They're either just experimenting or they're self-medicating um, and they're not yet in the category of, of addicted, which is where all of our safety net and our societal systems are set up to handle, right? The, the people in recovery and who have had a long-term problem, these victims are, are not covered by those resources. So um, there's a lot of different components to this problem that's very complicated. And Mary and I were struck early on when we started doing our research that the medical community, law enforcement, um, campus safety on university campuses and so forth, they knew about these counterfeit pills and they were scared to death, but the kids didn't know. Charlie certainly didn't know that what he was getting wasn't a real Percocet. So we said to ourselves, well, I, my research tells me that this has been in the local paper. It's been in the local news broadcast, but that's not where kids get their information. <laughs> Absolutely. They get their information on Snapchat or from each other and on social media. So we decided that we wanted to, you know, cut through all the noise and try to reach kids. The way we put it is we have to go where they are, mm -hmm. speak their language and get them talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And so our main mission at the, our organization, which is called song for Charlie is to uh, produce and distribute content about this problem um, across all the social media platforms. And we've formed partnerships with all the majors. Um, we have resources for schools and educators and, and school therapists and so forth that uh, we try to get uh, get going in school districts around the country. Um, and so that's really our, our mission is our philosophy is kind of the society as a whole hasn't figured out yet how we're going to respond to the new characteristics of this problem, mm -hmm. this, this intersection of really potent synthetics with the practice of selling drugs under false pretenses. That's new. And while we all try to figure that out, a lot of kids are going to die if they don't hear about the problem. So we take it as more of a public health warning mm -hmm. more than the don't do drugs talk. Yeah. And we find that kids appreciate knowing that what they see online is not a real Xanax. Mm -hmm. It's not a real Percocet. It's mm -hmm. not a real Oxy. Mm -hmm. And the response we get from young people is, oh, really? I didn't know that. Thank you for telling me that. Right. And Stephanie, you were telling us, I mean, this is bigger than we thought. I mean, and obviously to, to, to Ed's point, this is really a big deal when it comes to death. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's the number one cause of deaths right now in the United States, more than COVID deaths, uh, suicide, gun violence and car accidents. And what, these, age, what were the ages on that? Um, it's 18 to 45. Okay. So young young people with probably 
still developing their frontal lobe, still, mm. <laughs> you know, in that experimental yeah. phase, those sorts of things. And mm. then, um, and then that's also the people who are on social media. So mm. that's where they're finding it, yep. you know, and you don't even have to have contact with someone like a drug dealer. Like nope. you can find them. Anywhere. Anywhere. Where are these drugs coming from? I mean, okay, so this is not what we thought it was or what they thought it was. So where are they coming from? It's coming from China and Mexico through the borders right now. And so um, at first it was happening um, and it was getting mixed in like cocaine and heroin. So it was happening to more like the homeless and people that were having addiction. So that's when it was, you know, called the overdose, you know, and that's why overdoses are so high. But now with this, we're, you know, some of the terminology we're using right now to kind of shift everybody's mindset and stop the stigma is it's a fentanyl poisoning. My son was poisoned. Mm, he did not okay. know that pill that he was taking was fentanyl. He thought it was a Percocet. My son would be here today. Ed's son, most of the parents I know, our kids would be here today if they actually took what they thought they were getting. Mm. Yes. And that's so scary. No. Um, so Stephanie, I know that you started your own nonprofit in honor of your son. So tell us about that. Uh, yes, I started the uh, Kyle Shane Sexton Foundation. So the KSS is what I kind of wanted to have like kiss kind of. Yeah. Um, and so Kyle still speaks is kind of the slogan I use a lot. And um, what I'm trying to do with that is a couple of things with the foundation. I eventually want to start having um, raising money to help like single parents, help people that need to go through recovery, rehab, get um, any kind of therapy or counseling. And then from the Kyle still speaks, I'm going into and I'm just I'm just letting people open the doors for me, I guess is what I'm saying is um, I'm just saying, hey, I'll be a speaker. Or I'll come to the podcast like today um, just to speak out and bring awareness. And the biggest thing what I'm trying to do is um, I have Narcan here too for y'all too, um, is um, I have a little label on here and it's, you know, has the, our um, social medias and then it says what to do. And it says one pill will kill. It just kind of brings some um, facts to them. Um, so I definitely, what I'm trying to do is get out into the churches, any of the local HOAs, to the schools, universities, anybody that will pretty much have me here locally in Fort Worth DFW area or Texas or anywhere else, um, is just speak about what happened to my child or anybody else's children. Um, I've actually put a whole um, catalog um, together of all the different deaths that have happened actually here in DFW and Texas. Mm. And I have a also from other people to a list of all those. So I'm just trying to bring awareness that most of the overdoses that they're saying right now are actually fentanyl poisons. So that's why we have over a hundred thousand right now. We're at the highest that we've ever had. Right. Right. And to explain a little bit about um, naloxone or Narcan, Dr. Gandhi touched on this a little bit mm -hmm. um, in her visit, but um, so uh, the way that fentanyl works or any of the opiates is that they bind uh, the dopamine receptor in your brain and that helps calm down and it helps like dull that pain sensation. And so what uh, Narcan or naloxone does is it antagonizes it very strongly and it bonds to that dopamine receptor and kicks out um, the opiate or the fentanyl. And so if, if you're in an emergency room, and you see someone come in on a stretcher that's overdosed on an opiate and they give them Narcan, Ooh. they will wake up fairly quickly mm -hmm. because it basically, you know, gets rid of the fentanyl. And so, you know, the reason that fentanyl and opiates are 
fatal, can be fatal in overdose is that they decrease your respiratory center and you just slowly stop breathing. And so, you know, with, with the fent or with the naloxone or Narcan, if they get that, then they're able to like wake up and it mm -hmm. basically just reverses the overdose. Um, and Dr. Gandhi uh, was really helpful. I didn't know this, but apparently you can purchase it over the counter. Yes. They sell it behind um, like the pharmacy counter. So you have to go up and ask for it. But if you are a person who has opiates in your house, like let's say you're treated for chronic pain or, you know, you have someone in your house that has that, I would purchase it. I mm -hmm. don't think it's very expensive mm -hmm. and I would have it just on hand. You know, if to me, you know, whenever, a, if a gun comes into my house, the safe comes first. If an opiate comes into my house, the Narcan's coming too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we're safe and we keep it. But I think anything that we can do to prevent this, I, it's just devastating. Yes. And I definitely, one of the things I've been doing is actually giving two boxes to people now, just because of fentanyl, because of the potency is um, recently you might've, and you can even, go, even Google this is there was a um, cadet um, in the police and they pulled over someone and um, the other officer that was a little bit more uh, years experience, he said, Hey, be careful. That might be fentanyl. And he barely moved something and he started and he fell down and they had to administer. I think at that time they ministered a uh, two, then they administered two more. So they had to do four of them before the ambulance actually came. Wow. That's deep. Yes. Wow. Ed, what do you want parents to know, especially those who think, you know, this could never happen to me, that this could never happen to their family. Um, my son doesn't do this. My my daughter isn't prone for this. I mean, and you talked about the things you were looking for. He wasn't going to he wasn't drinking himself to, you know, to sleep every night. You were looking for those telltale signs. But there are parents who are probably going to be in some denial. So what do you want to tell them? What do you want them to know? Well, I think there's two things. Number one, I think everyone in the country acknowledges that we're experiencing an unprecedented rate of kind of youth mental health issues. And COVID has really made that even worse. So I see a real connection um, between that and the, the desire of kids to kind of escape, seek relief through self-medication. Yeah. So I think parents need to kind of uh, acknowledge and honor the fact that their young, the young people in their lives are, they're really stressed out right now. Yeah. And starting a conversation with that acknowledgement, uh, I think is, is useful. And also the fact that it, there's nothing to be ashamed of about that because all of your peers are stressed out. Right. So I would start with that. And the other thing is that the, the rise of post potent synthetics like fentanyl and fentanyl is just the first, there will be others that will come because it's a better mousetrap for drug traffickers, these synthetics. Um, they have completely changed the drug landscape. So when I was growing up, and, and I'm older than all of you probably. Um, no, 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 no. We won't get into it, but uh, the, traditionally, the way we've talked to young people about drugs in this country has been kind of like it's a journey where if you're not careful, you can get off on the wrong path. Right. And that is, you'll probably start by experimenting with some things. And then eventually, if you do take too much or do it too often, you may become dependent and then addicted and someday accidentally overdose on your drug of choice. 
But today's drug landscape is so dangerous that it's less like a path and it's more like a minefield where any any kid's next step may well be their last if they do not understand what's going on with these substances. And and the, the plain fact is that whether you're on the supply reduction side, like law enforcement or drug prevention educators, or, you know, very, uh, you know, rabid harm reduction, legalization advocates, people in all of those groups agree on one thing. The drug supply has never been more volatile than it is today. Hmm. This, the fentanyl is in a lot of substances. People don't know it and it's unpredictable and they all agree it's a minefield out there these days. So that's the conversation I would have with your young people. And Ed, I appreciate your insight about having an honest conversation with your teenager and starting out non-judgmentally talking about you're stressed. All of your peers are also stressed. What's that like? What are you doing? How, you know, how are you relieving that stress? It, and just I think the honest conversation, maybe some vulnerability on the side of a parent coupled with, you know, a non-judgmental conversation. Hey, thanks. For, I mean, if my kid told me they were smoking marijuana, my first question is, thanks for telling me why. Mm-hmm. Like, what? what is it? What are you worried about? Or, you know, if they, and they said, it helps me chill out at night. That's what mm-hmm. a lot of my patients will tell me. I was like, because that, that's always my question. You know, the first, it's not, you shouldn't do that. It's yeah. always, yeah. why? Like, yeah. find out why. Because if you don't address that, it will, it's going to keep happening. Like right. you're not, you know, so anyway, Ed, but I appreciate your insights. To add on that, yeah, I'll go for be it. very transparent. That's actually what I was doing with Kyle is a lot of his friends were smoking weed and not that I condoned it, but I was very transparent, talked to him about all that stuff. Hey, well, why are you? And mm-hmm. why do you do, you know? And I had to also explain, Hey, your friend that is doing it and you're doing it with him, he has ADHD and he does it to kind of chill out. How does it make you feel? And we talked about those things. So the day that Kyle was actually, that bought that pill, not wanting to buy that pill. He actually wanted to buy weed that day after coming back from vacation, which I wish he would have talked to me about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, that's what I'm finding out is that day he wanted to buy it and his friend didn't have it. So instead he was like, oh, okay, I'll do this Percocet, thinking it would just kind of maybe numb out for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when you think about a 15 year old, like they just don't, they don't know their, and they don't know the risk because adults in the room don't know the risk. Yeah. I'm a psychiatrist. I didn't know how big this problem is. Mm-hmm. I see teenagers all day, every day. I had no idea how bad this was. So, you know, it, and I'm a parent. And if I didn't know, I know kids don't know and other parents don't know. So I really appreciate the work that you both are doing for advocating um, for this need. Yeah. And you talked about the fact that they had um, uh, considered this a homicide. How did, did anything come of that? Was there, were there any charges, anything like that? Oh, yeah. I will tell you that it is the experience of uh, a lot of families in this world um, that getting any kind of satisfaction from the criminal justice process is very challenging. Uh, we're here in California, um, and the it's very difficult uh, because of the movement to kind of destigmatize de- drug users, uh, people addicted to drugs, even people selling drugs, the perception is kind of it's people that are in that world just transacting business with each other. Um, it's very difficult to get any real accountability for people who are are selling these pills. Many of us are trying to advocate to make a distinction between and it's a distinction that acknowledges the deception 
that's mm. involved in selling these counterfeit pills. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said before, um, anyone in this world understands. I was told by a, a harm reduction person, and we we talked to a lot of harm reduction people, a lot of law enforcement people. We, we're talking to people from all stakeholder groups, and we learn a lot from everyone. And one of my positions is we all need to kind of put aside our priors and have a dialogue about how we're going to address the new characteristics of this problem. But one of these people said, you know, if we were at a festival like Burning Man, and someone was going around selling drugs to the drug consumers on that weekend, and they were passing off, say, ketamine, you know, methamphetamine, telling people it was the ketamine they asked for, there would be vigilante justice at that, fence, right. at that festival. Right. That dealer would be run out of town. Mm-hmm. Well, that's common practice for these dealers who were advertising their wares online. And, and and they are absolutely presenting young people like Kyle and Charlie. Here's that Xanax you asked for, knowing full well that that is not a Xanax. And that's a different level of crime. Yeah. And our, our laws and our, our legal processes haven't caught, quite caught up to that yet. In Charlie's case, sadly, there's not going to be many consequences for the people involved in that transaction, sadly. Yeah, that is unfortunate. Mm. Stephanie, you met with um, Governor Greg Greg Abbott on this issue recently. Is there anything you want parents here in Texas to know? Um, Yes, actually, that was a very neat thing. I ended up speaking one time with the sheriff. um, I didn't even know who was going to be there. Sheriff uh, Wayborn of Tarrant County. And he remembered my story when we spoke at the church once Mm -hmm. and he invited me out. And that was a great opportunity. I never met him. I have just seen him on TV and um, he really listened. He actually just lost a friend to fentanyl. And, you know, all of his stuff, too, that he's about, about the borders and everything else. He really wanted to come to Texas here in the DFW area, specifically Tarrant County, because it's grown so much. In 2019, there was only nine deaths. The year that my son died in 2020 was 95. Mm. In 2021, it was triple. I think it was like 160. And I don't even know what 2022. It's projected even more. Um, So that's why he came here as well. And I was able to explain, hey, you know, Kyle's death happened. It has it immediately was closed by the detective basically said it wasn't a homicide that basically passed it off as a my son was an addict or something. And so that I got a chance to tell him as well as everybody else that, hey, here in Texas specifically, there's only 25 states that have um, DIH, which is drug induced homicide, which means they actually go after the person that um dealt it. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably have heard um, Greg Abbott speak, hey, now with everything going on, he's like, no, we're going to prosecute. We're going to do these things. So I was able to hand him something that, um, and there's actually a group called Drug Induced Homicide and Tara, she got it in Chicago. And so she gave me kind of what they're doing. And so I was able to print that off, give it to everybody there. And he now wants to work with me to have that law here. Mm-hmm. So I'm really hoping that we can do that. So I would say for parents here in Texas, um, I just did a post on Kyle Still Speaks, and there was actually aspirin, Tylenol, that was pure fentanyl. Mm. And they're doing it also as Adderall. So there, it's not just the pain meds that, you know, first were made out of fentanyl or laced or whatever. It's now making other products that are over the counter you know, Mm -hmm. like Tylenol now. Mm -hmm. And so that to me is a very like red flag that we really need to talk to our kids. Mm. Absolutely. And and you're saying that that would be bought by someone maybe on social media and not like what I could buy with the mark 
or with the, yes. with the, okay. Yeah. Not, not, in, not in the stores, you know, okay. but there was a Tylenol crisis at one point and they used to call that, they called that a poison when it happened. Sure so did. why are we not calling it now sure that it's a poison? Um, so I always, when I go and speak to the kids, I always ask them, Hey, so what do you take when you have a cold? And they're, you know, listing everything. And I'm like, you take a pill, right? Like, yeah. What do you take when you have a a headache? And they're like, Advil, I'm like, you take a pill. So a lot of times I know us ladies here in the room too, you know, what do we do? And our friends like, Hey, I have a headache. You know, you might just take out and say, here, I have this. Mm -hmm. Now I don't, I will not take anything from anybody unless I have gone to the store bought in it, taken the seal off. So that's what Mm -hmm. we need to also tell our kids, even at young ages, because there was a nine-year-old up north. um, That's the only one that, of course, it's been in the news, but who knows where else it's happened. Um, A kid had a gummy bear and um, was at school. Somebody brought the gummy bears to school, gave some out. One of them OD'd from it, nine years old, and it had fentanyl in it. So we just need to have those hard conversations and just talk to them. Just like we would talk about how for Halloween, for candy, hey, don't open your stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's already been opened. Mm -hmm. We need to have those same conversations um, to tell them the same thing. Well, thank you both for joining us today. And we wish you'd never had to meet under these circumstances, but we're really grateful for you sharing your story and, and just advocating for awareness for our teenagers and for our whole community. This is so important, and we really need to sound an alarm that's louder than what we are doing now. But um, we really need to to make a difference in this because this is ridiculous, and it's just horrible to even think about losing a child like that. Mm-hmm. Um, to our listeners, if you want to learn more, please visit songforcharlie.org and kylestillspeaks.org. You'll get more information about it. And you can help us by bringing these important conversations uh, to more people by subscribing to the Raising Joy podcast. And please leave this a rating and review. Until next time, have have a a joyful joyful day. day.